Man, I am thankful to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 2 is where we are today. James chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to begin in verse number 1 and uh, following. Been walking through the book of James for the last several weeks. We'll continue to be there uh, for a little bit longer until we finish. And uh, walking through this book today, talking about the folly of favoritism. The folly of favoritism. Uh, James, when you're talking about James, James the half-brother of Jesus Christ, the pastor down at First Baptist Church of Jerusalem, uh, was where he was located as pastor. It wasn't really First Baptist Church, okay? Uh, it was the church at Jerusalem, uh, and, and he was pastoring there. And uh, he had a heart that was very, very heavy for uh, his people, for the brethren. He desired the best for them as individuals, and he desired the best for him collectively, for them collectively. Uh, That's who he was as a person, as an individual. Uh, But he also recognized that, man, the church is marked with immaturity. The church is made up of people. And that's what the church is made up of. And because we're made up of people of which I am a people, we have problems. And we're still in this process of sanctification. Nobody among us has arrived. Nobody among us is there. We're still in that process uh, of, of sanctification, of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And so this morning, he's just saying, hey, you know what? There's an issue that's plaguing the church. Always has, always will, and the issue is favoritism. Now, he's been working through these subjects. When you're walking through the book of James, it's an interesting book. He, d- he deals with just practical subjects along the way that everybody, everybody among us deals with. Every last person in this place will deal with these things as we move along. We, we deal with trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. And so he's already addressed the issue of trials that come into our life. And then he talked about temptations that temptations do indeed come into the life of everybody in this place. They don't come from God, but they do come from the devil who's seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, uh, and, so, and so they will come, but be careful when they do come uh, uh, that you don't rely on your own understanding, but that you turn to God's truth. Be quick to hear and slow to speak and even slower still to anger. And so he's dealing with subjects that everybody in this place deals with along the way. And so now he's turning to a subject of favoritism and he's just saying, hey, listen, make sure you're not a person that's practicing favoritism. And so this morning we all have room to grow in every one of these subjects. And so if, if we leave this place today and you feel like, well, I don't have any room to grow, either A, you're not honest with yourself, or B, I haven't done a good job presenting the material, uh, uh, presenting the Word of God. Because we have room to grow in every subject that we're talking about. So favoritism, James chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says it like this, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Christ Jesus with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren... Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. 
Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you've been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, so, uh, speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And today just talking again <clears throat> about the subject of favoritism. Number one, and verse number one, <clears throat> there's this prohibition of favoritism. He begins uh, addressing the subject with a prohibition in verse number one. He says, my brethren. And so he's saying, hey, this is what's happening among uh, believers, among those who have been saved. This is an issue that's been plaguing us. And so he's not talking about people that are lost. He's not talking about people in the world. He's talking about the church. Now this morning you may be here and you have never been born again. This subject we're talking about is for brethren. In fact, I would tell you this morning that if you're not saved, if you've never been born from above to be born again, to be saved, then you have a bigger problem than the problem we're addressing today. You're not even a part of the family. But this morning, I'm grateful that our God is willing to say, hey, you come, join the family today. I mean, because that's, that's an invitation that all of us need to be responding to. For God so loved the world, every last one of us, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus into this world not to condemn us of our sin, but to save us, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your sin is separating you from the Father. You see, I can't, I can't on my own strength practice the subject I'm talking about today. I cannot do that apart from the enabling power of the Holy Spirit of God working within me. But you know what God does when he calls us to do whatever it is that he calls us to do, he enables us to do? And so this morning, that's what we're talking about today. He's saying, my brethren, don't show personal favor favoritism and and so he's saying hey listen what is personal favoritism to receive a face to receive a face and and what is that that's in other words he's saying hey listen you know what favoritism is based on simply and solely outward appearance you just look at the face you just look at the person and you know there are some people that pride themselves in saying hey you know what i just got this gift from above man i, I just can judge a book by the cover no you can't don't kid yourself into thinking that you're spiritually gifted in such a way that you can look at the cover and judge a man because you can't. In fact, James is just simply saying, don't be one that just looks at the face and then makes a judgment. Why is it prohibited? Because it's incompatible with our Savior and we are called to be His ambassadors. When you're talking about Jesus Christ, He said it's not about judging a book by the cover. 1 Samuel, back in 1 Samuel chapter number 16 and verse number 7, if you remember the story where God was going to go and select a king and so He sent 
he sent his man over to go to Jesse over in Bethlehem, and he said, hey, uh, uh, it's one of these sons of Jesse. And Jesse goes out, and Jesse got all of his sons but one, because the one wasn't the one on the outside that you would say, he is not going to be the king. And yet God, in his word, says it like this. God sees, and God sees not as a man, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so we've got to be careful. There's a prohibition against showing favoritism depending on what you see on the outside. It's amazing. I am so, uh, I'm always amazed at the variety, at the diversity of people. It's an amazing picture, but if we're not careful, what happens to us if somebody is different than we are then we begin to make assumptions about the situation. We begin to make assumptions about the people. Man, they're all tatted up. <laughs> they look like they fell off in a paint bucket. And, and we say, oh, they're, 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 I don't know about them. They must have issues. Man, they got, they got body piercings. They got more holes than God created in the beginning. I just don't know about those people. And then they look at somebody... You know, and it goes both ways, by the way. <clears throat> you know, that guy's just a goody-two-shoes that has no clue about life. He hasn't experienced anything in life because he doesn't have anything going on. And we look at all those outward appearances. We look at the clothes that people are wearing, and we make these assumptions and judgments and begin to show favoritism. We look at the, the hairstyles. Good night, man. We look at the hairstyles, whether it's the cut or the color, either way. And by the way, if we're talking about hair this morning, it's not about me showing favoritism. It's about me simply coveting because I wish I could have some to color or to cut, one way or the other, either way. But nonetheless, do we not do that? To which all of us are guilty. We look at those things and say, oh, who do they think they are? And, and, and James is just saying, hey, don't go there. We, we go there in every variety. Racism. Man, the color of the skin. And, we, and, and, and when somebody's different than we are, we may not say it out loud, but we say, well, that's not my kind of people. That's not my kind of people. And who are we to make that judgment? God didn't say that's not my kind of people. He says, I created all people. And they are very diverse. And there is beauty in diversity. God help us not <clears throat> make favoritism judgments. The Bible says over in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 23. Proverbs chapter 24 and in verse number 23. He says it like this. <clears throat> he says, uh, these also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment, it's not good. Romans 2 verse number 11. The Bible says it like this. For there is no partiality with God. God help us. He prohibits, first of all, favoritism. But then he gives an illustration of favoritism beginning in verse number 2. And he goes from verse number 2 to verse number 4. And it's an interesting illustration. He's painting a picture. And he's just simply saying this. He's just simply saying, hey... <clears throat> Here we are gathering together for church, all right? We're gathering together for church, and there's some visitors that come up in this place. 
And he says the first guy, the first guy happens to be a billionaire, all right? This guy shows up, and, and everything about him is screaming at you. You look at him, and he comes, he comes driving up, and his decked out Denali sitting out here with his music going on, and he comes walking in this place, and he's got a silk suit from Saks Fifth Avenue and alligator shoes from Australia. He walks in here with nuggets on every knuckle, and everybody looks and says, Wow, look at that dude. He's a VIP. And he gets that VIP treatment. I mean, think about it. Somebody popular walks into this place. Tim Tebow walks into this place. Oh, wow. Wow. I hope I sit next to him. (laughs) And we start VIP treatment. When the fact of the matter is, these are just people. Me and Tim Tebow, we're very much alike. (laughs) We both worked hard for our bodies. (laughs) hey he may have a few more zeros in his bank account but that's okay you know what at the end of the day we're just people and so he says so this guy walks into your place and you begin to flatter him and you say man he he's one that's worthy of vip treatment you know what's interesting You know why we do that? For ourselves and not for him. It's a personal problem. Where's the VIP supposed to be? Next to me. Oh, I hope he talks to me. It's about flattering my own ego. That's what that's about. It's, it, it's a problem with the heart. But then he says, so then, you, so then you've got the, another guy that comes into place. And, and he's very different. He's not a billionaire, but this second guy that comes in, he's actually a beggar. And when you look at him, he hadn't bathed in a day or two. And his hair is matted and nasty. And maybe he even smells a little bit when he walks into the place. But that second guy comes in here, and he hadn't been loved on in a long time. And maybe he comes into this place and he says, hey, I've heard that God loves me. Maybe, just maybe, somebody in here will love me. And the church, rather than looking and saying, man, I want to go meet that guy. I want him to sit next to me. They usher him to the overflow room why because he's different James says ought not to exist among my people it ought not to exist among my people interestingly both cases both cases it's the same problem it's with our heart it's, it's, about, it's about me in both cases. Me. I want to flatter myself by being tight with the rich and famous. It's about me. I don't want to be inconvenienced with somebody that might be struggling around here. Verse 4, he says, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges? 
with evil motives? Upper class, lower class, middle class. James just simply says, hey, don't extend favoritism. Don't extend favoritism. Love everybody. Greet everybody as if they are a VIP. Would to God, would to God that every single person that ever touched this campus would walk away saying, I don't know a lot of things about that church, but one thing I know, they made me feel really, really loved at that place. That's what James is saying. Hey, don't, don't, don't extend favoritism, but hey, hey, listen, just as we're not to extend favoritism, nor should we expect favoritism, all right? Because sometimes what we do is we'll, we, we, we may not extend it, but we expect it. In other words, you don't know who I am. I, in fact, I heard a story about a fellow that was going through the airport, <clears throat> you know, and he's the rich and famous, and, and they got up to the line at the airport agent, and uh, there was this big long line. He went, walked up to the window instead, and he just kind of cut his way up into the line, and, and, and the lady that was standing there said, Sir, sir, uh, you need to go back to the back of the line. And, and, and he demanded, and he said, Hey, you don't, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And she looked at him, and she called down there. She called security. She said, security, I got a problem. I got a man here that don't know who he is. <laughs> you know, it's pretty disgusting when someone comes into the body of Christ and expects VIP treatment because of who I am. Pastor, I'm going to leave this church, take my money with me, and try to manipulate a situation. You know, it's interesting when you go to church. You ever been to a church that have a name tag everywhere in the church? You ever, you ever seen a name tag? They have a donated by, donated by, donated by. Every single seat in the place is donated by, donated by, donated by, donated by. And it's like, good night. When you just give and don't worry about who it's donated by. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all with me? I mean, I preached a lot in these churches, Virginia, North Carolina area. We don't have that here. But I'm just saying, I uh, preached a lot in, in, in Virginia and, and, and North Carolina. And you walk into the church, man, don't anybody, don't anybody. Don't. I, I sincerely, I, I went up to preach one day in this church. <clears throat> and uh, right here, they had this big donated by. And Joe Schmo, whoever. I looked for the preacher and I said, man, where's your dog tag? Who owns you? Everything in this place is owned. Don't expect it. Don't extend it. Don't expect it. Just simply love people. Matthew, the Bible says in chapter 20. Y'all okay? Make sure y'all all right. Matthew 22, verse number 16. <clears throat> They sent their disciples to him, talking about to Jesus, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful, and you teach the way of God in truth. And defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. That was the reputation of Jesus, and I pray to God that that would be my reputation and yours as well. He goes on in verses 5 through 7. He says, Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in the faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is not the rich who oppress you 
and personally drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Some people would look at these verses of Scripture and say, James is really being harsh towards wealthy people. To which I would say, well, there's two statements. Number one, favoritism is not limited to the wealthy. You don't have to have money to show favoritism. It can be extended both ways in every way to anybody that's different than you are. And so number one, don't limit it simply to wealthy people. Uh, and number two, I would even take it another step and say, you know what, some of the most godly people I've ever met in my life live open-handed or very wealthy. And so we're not talking about just James isn't bashing wealthy people. That being said, when you're talking about wealth, wealth does have a way at going against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not in and of itself, but it can cause a stumbling block for people. Why? Because the gospel hits at two traits. Number one, the gospel hits at pride. Do you know that there is no room for pride in the gospel of grace? And if we're not careful, we can feel pretty good about ourselves just based upon our prosperity. <clears throat> the gospel says you are a needy person. You, you, you are a pauper. You are a beggar. You cannot buy your way out. We all have a need. Pride and prosperity, self-sufficiency. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, to James's point. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. He's just saying, hey, you know what? God doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need you. But he wants you, and he loves you, and desires an intimate relationship with you. Matthew, the Bible says it like this, <clears throat> over in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 24. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 24 says it like this. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And what James is saying is, listen, here was the problem that was happening in the church. So the, the, the wealthy people that were coming in among them, they were trying to manipulate the people and trying to oppress the people. And James is just saying, hey, look and listen to what's happening. You know, the people that you feel like, I need to be with them. Or they, they, what a difference they could make if, if that person would come into our body. When the fact of the matter is, you're talking about a person that's not a loving person. <clears throat> and it just so happened to be that these were wealthy people that they were talking about. He's saying, hey, don't go there and show favoritism. And then he continues on in verse number 8 to talk about the violation of favoritism. The violation of favoritism Verse number 8 and following. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. Verse 9. But if you're showing partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. 
For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, don't commit, uh, but you do commit murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So what's happening here? Here's what's happening. <clears throat> you know, oftentimes what we do is, is, is we, especially with our own struggles, <laughs> we have a way of, of saying it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, what, 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 what's it hurting if I show a little favoritism? It's not that big of a deal. And James is saying, hey, can I tell you something? If you're guilty of favoritism, you're no better than the adulterer or the murderer. That's what James is saying in these verses. See, you, you think it's not a big deal to show that favoritism, that partiality, to say, man, I see that person over there and I'm going to make sure I get in their way so that I can really greet them and meet them and, and man, make them feel welcome because, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if they came into this place. And then in your heart of hearts, nobody even sees it, nobody even knows it, but you look over there and you say, oh, that person doesn't belong here because they're not my kind of person over there. And so you just make sure that I just steer clear of that one. He says, you know what? You say it's not a big deal, but let me tell you something. It's a big deal. Why is it such a big deal? Because God, in his essence, is love. And he wants people to know there is love in Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what you are? You're my body. You, you are Jesus with skin on. And when people come into contact with you, they need to know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how different they are than you, whether they have tats or don't have tats or have piercings or don't have piercings, dress up like you, dress down different than you, wear their hair a different color than you or a shade or a cut. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is this person was created in the image of God and Jesus Christ says they are worth me coming into this world and laying down and shedding my blood for them. I love them and you should too, no matter who they are. And so James is just saying, hey, don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. And he ends just with a simple exhortation. So speak and act in verse 12 and 13 as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Just simply saying, hey, listen. You love them and you don't show favoritism. Let me put it into different words here. Same message. Not because you got to, but because you get to. Yes, I'll stand before God and give an account, but it makes all the difference in the world as to how we approach others. I'm going to go approach this person because one day I'm going to be accountable to God and you approach them. Because I got to. Versus, I'm going to go approach this person. Because my father wants them to know how much he loves them. 
and he has enabled me the opportunity to be his hands and feet. I pray to God again that we would be a people that flat love other people like God loves us. Just a question this morning. Do you have a relationship with God? I'm not talking about religion, coming to church. Because see, you can come to church and have religion and still go to hell. But God loves you. For God so loved the world, He loves you, that He gave His only begotten Son. Why did He give His Son? Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of His glory. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to me. <clears throat> I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to... I'm getting verses mixed up. The Father. <laughs> Except through me. The exclusivity of the gospel. Only one way to be saved, through Jesus Christ. And if you've never called on him, I'm inviting you today to call on his name. Call on his name.